what are we discussing on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast? Is this the most anticipation, the most pressure the D-backs have ever faced entering a season? You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe to Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. We're currently at 920 subscribers, I believe. So please hit subscribe, trying to crack 1,000 before opening day. And on today's podcast, we got part two with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres discussing the most hated D-backs and Padres players, but that's only for the audio listeners. If you're watching this on YouTube, got to go to the YouTube page, Locked on Diamondbacks, to see the full video for the YouTube audience. You're only going to see me talk about, is this the most anticipated, most pressure-filled season the D-backs have ever had entering this year? We'll talk about that on today's podcast for both YouTube and audio listeners. But before we get into that, I first want to tell you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. Now let's get into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast and let's answer the question. Is this the most anticipation, the most pressure the D-backs have ever faced entering a season? Because I do think there are a few other D-backs years that you could say, hey, that team had expectations actually entering the year. That team actually made moves in the offseason that would apply pressure to that squad entering that year. And 2023, or I guess now 2024 actually, is no different for the D-backs team entering this year because they made moves this offseason. They're coming off a World Series appearance. So there's a lot of pressure and anticipation for the D-backs entering 2024. But is it the most they ever face? That's the question I want to ask because I do think there are a few other seasons that are very comparable to the feelings that we have for this D-back squad entering this year. The last time I felt like I had any sort of expectations for the D-backs was 2020. Now, I think there's a lot more pressure and anticipation for the 2024 D-backs as opposed to 2020, but they're on the list. The 2020 season, entering that season, I should say, of course, the COVID short year. D-backs in 2019 coming off 85 wins the previous year. In that 2020 offseason, you had signed Massim Bumgarner to that, you know, really big contract, which... Actually, at the time, wasn't that bad of a deal. Again, 5 for 85 for what we thought Mad Bum still was. That's an elite price considering Erod just got 4 for 20. Uh, I think Mad Bum 5 for 85 made sense at the time. Ended up being an awful contract. D-backs also acquired Sterling Marte and Cole Calhoun. It was the second year of Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver. Like I just think there was a lot of upside for the D-backs entering the 2020 season. Maybe you didn't have World Series expectations like you might have now for the D-backs, but... 
you were like, okay, this D-backs team coming off 85 wins, look good in the second half of 2019. I expect this team to get better entering 2020. I expect this team to be fully improved, and they instead took a step backwards in a big way. Again, 2020 is a season that... I put with a grain of salt, I put an asterisk on it in terms of performances from players and teams, but the D-backs failed all expectations in 2020, had an awful year. 2016, another year where I think the D-backs had expectations entering the year. It looks like the D-backs were ready to take a step forward after winning 79 games in 2015. They had just signed, of course, Zach Greinke to the biggest contract in their franchise history, gave him over $200 million. The D-backs also did something wild in 2016 by trading the number one pick for Shelby Miller. They traded for Gene Segura Segura this year, year two of Robbie Ray and Yasmin Tomas and Brandon Jury. Like there were just a lot of expectations for the D-backs entering 2016 after that big contract, after some massive trades. The D-backs definitely want to compete in 2016, make a run at the NOS title potentially, and instead they were not able to do that. And they lost 69 games, actually winning 10 less games than the previous year. And Zach Greinke did not look good in his first year as an Arizona Dimeback. 2016 is the second year on my list. The third year on my list, the 2008 season. D-backs in 07 was coming off a 90-win year, so they were pretty good the previous year. And it felt like the D-backs want to get better in 2008. They traded for Dan Heron to make a big three of Brandon Webb, Dan Heron, and Randy Johnson on the last legs of his career. You had the debut of Justin Upton. I don't think the D-backs expected to win the World Series or anything like that in 2008, but I think they wanted their team to at least get to the postseason, be a wildcard team, and instead, they won eight less games in 2008 barely above 500, and they ended up missing the postseason and not meeting any expectations. Then the final year that I have on my list of seasons that I think the D-backs entered with anticipation and pressure, the 2001 season, of course, the D-backs capitalized in 2001, right? They won the World Series, knocked off the New York Yankees in 9-11, and in 2001, they were coming off 85 wins the previous year in 2000. And of course, in 1999, they won 100 games. So the D-backs were entering 0-1 with something to prove. They had traded for Kurt Schilling the previous year. They signed guys like Mark Grace and Reggie Sanders and Miguel Batista to help out the squad. And in the end, everything clicked for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Johnson was elite, of course, Kurt Schilling. And we know the rest is history. Now, you could say maybe 0-2, 0-3 were two other seasons that had some anticipation but I thought those were honestly the four biggest seasons I'm just looking through it that had the most anticipation had the most pressure for the D-backs entering the year but even with that being said I don't think any of those years had as much pressure and anticipation as I keep saying as the D-backs have entering 2024 I think it's really because of two big reasons the first one is un finish business for this D-backs team. There's so much anxiety surrounding this D-backs team, so much, but positive anxiety, more anxiousness, because we saw this D-backs team 
be ahead of schedule last year. This was supposed to be another year rebuilding this past season, and instead, the D-backs were a postseason team. The D-backs were one of the best teams in the first half of Major League Baseball. This was a team that made it all the way to the World Series. So the fact that we saw a squad that we didn't have total faith, total belief in, a squad that we felt like was still incomplete. The fact that we saw that team get all the way to the World Series, of course, we're going to have more anticipation entering 2024 because it's like, if we did improve our team in the offseason, then how could we not expect a better run potentially in the postseason this year? We saw what the ceiling of this team is, and that was before we even fixed our holes, plugged up our holes. That was before any additions this offseason so if this D-backs team was already making it to the World Series when we still felt like they were incomplete and the fact that they didn't win it just adds a chip to the shoulder of every guy every manager and everybody in that front office so I think the D-backs are playing with a different fire in their belly then the number two reason this is arguably the strongest team on paper the D-backs have ever had. When you look at this team from top to bottom, you could compare them to any team in their franchise history, and this might be the best D-backs team ever. The rotation is as deep as any in franchise history. Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson, those guys are better than a Zach Gallen and a Merrill Kelly, but pound for pound, those guys are really good. Now you add in an E-Rod, now you got um, Brandon Fott as well, like... You got yourself a one through four in the rotation that you have not had in a very long time. This is probably the best D-backs one through four ever. And so you look at the rotation, strong, stacked, depth. You look at the lineup, as well-balanced a lineup the D-backs have ever had. The D-backs have had really good lineups in their past, but have they ever had lineups that go seven deep? And it doesn't matter if there's a righty or a lefty on the mound. Like, they actually have dudes that can crush both sides of the plate. They actually looks like they're going to be adding a righty DH so they can really be good in any type of scenario. Ketel Marte, one of the best second basemen in baseball. Christian Walker, elite defensive first baseman, power hitter. Suarez got the power. Gurriel, overall well-balanced player. Corbin Carroll's a superstar. Gabriel Moreno, one of the best offensive catchers in Major League Baseball, and the D-backs have always had themselves a really good offensive catcher when you look at their franchise history, so I feel good about that. The pen is solid. We got Paul Sewald finally, a closer. Kevin Ginkle, one of the best setup men in baseball, and the D-backs year after year put a good defense on the field. I feel like this D-backs team, one of the reasons why we love it so much is because the players on this team feel like D-backs. This is not like a Lakers or a Dodgers situation where a lot of those guys are just signed from other rosters, right? Like the Dodgers roster is elite, but Mookie Betts comes from the Red Sox and Freddie Freeman spent 15 years with the Atlanta Braves, right? And you bring in the Jason Haywards and the David Peraltas and you bring in the Tyler Glasnows and the Yamamoto's. Like none of those Dodgers despite them actually developing players at a pretty high rate and developing them to be pretty good major leaguers, a lot of the best Dodgers are dudes from other teams. The best D-backs players feel homegrown. Zach Allen was traded from the Miami Marlins. He's been with the D-backs since day one of his major league career, right? Corbin Carroll and the even the Martes, who we also traded for. like All these guys made a name for themselves 
on the Arizona Dimebacks. And I think that's the difference between guys that we trade for versus guys that the Dodgers trade for. The Dodgers trade for already proven guys. We trade for youngsters who have to prove themselves on the D-backs. So I think there's another level of fandom when it feels like you're dudes on the team as opposed to just signing merchants and assassins on the free agent market. So Everyone wants to see this D-backs team get back to the postseason this year, and I think they will. I'm predicting 87 to 88 wins in a wild card. Then after that, anything is possible. I think this is definitely the most anticipated and most stressful season that the D-backs have ever faced. Now we'll get into part two with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres about the most hated D-backs and Padres player during our tenure as podcast hosts. But if you want to catch a D-backs game this season, the best place to do that is Game Time, of course, because Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for big time savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed back here in the locked on dimebacks locked on padres crossover taking our most hated players from our respective teams since we took over the podcast in 2020, the pandemic shortened season. Mm -hmm. I've taken Machado and I've taken uh, Mark Melanson so far. You've taken who, Javi? (laughs) I've taken Christian Walker and I've taken Javi Pham. (laughs) Okay, let's keep it going. I'm up with number three. I don't know. I I don't know if I want to go like a fun one or one that's like a real one. Yeah, I'll go with a guy that actually does irk me, but it's more because of his play against the D-backs. I'm going with ha Kim. I don't know if this is a consensus among D-backs fans, but it's only because this dude, I feel like, murders the Arizona Dimebacks. I feel like this is the dude that gets the clutchest hits. I remember a game last year, early in the season, D-backs were winning it late. D-backs were feeling good. Scott McGuff comes in the game to close, and ha Kim is the one that wins it for the Padres. I feel like if there's a dude that comes up with runners in scoring position late in the game for the Padres to win. I think Hassan Kim is actually the guy that I'm most scared of. I feel like he's the clutchest player on that Padres team that is loaded with stars. So Hassan Kim, off the field guy, looks great, Javi. I know you're upset with that pick, but it's because I feel like he crushes the D-backs in the clutch in those high-leverage situations. So I'm going with Hassan Kim, number three most hated guy. Stop getting the big hits against the D-backs, please. Mm. Number one. <laughs> you see, I did that thing where I pretended I was frozen. I thought Number for a one. second, I was like, God, do I got refresh? What's going My on? My shirt says I love you on it. That is no <laughs> longer true. <laughs> okay. Number two, uh, me being upset is hilarious considering how I've just been writing and talking about how the Padres need to trade Hassan Kim over the last week. <laughs> so I know a lot of people are probably saying, oh, you, you, you don't get to claim him anymore. So that's it. Uh, and number three is just that 
I get it. And Hassan Kim has really been like one of the more clutch players on the team, particularly last year. Um, last year, he was one of the only players on the team that kind of consistently just didn't get like massively worse whenever players were um, in, in uh, what's the word, uh, in scoring position. In high leverage situations last year, he actually, from low leverage situations, he had a 108 WRC plus, high leverage 129. That So okay. he actively got better in those situations. So you're not just saying that. So there's some stats to back that up. Um, but of course, you, you can't help but like the guy. I mean, let, let, let's be real yeah, here. He, he's like the man. Him, yeah. You know, I know. Hey, hey this is part sure. of the bit. I get it. But yeah, he does. He is a little bit of a Padre killer. I forgot who's the pot, the the Padre killer, uh, not the Padre killer, Diamondback killer. And I know that there's some Padres killers on your team um, for sure uh, that I actually am not going to draft. Miller, mm. For That's my next a, pick. Yeah. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with a real one. Not as much of a joke one. Okay. And I'll go back to joke, and then we'll finish with the big one. Okay. Tyler Gilbert. Wow. Okay. Okay. Tyler Gilbert. All right. 2021 was a dark time. Um, It was dark. It was sad. This year was somehow worse. But 2021, I sat there on a Saturday night watching this man who was making his first ever start Mm -hmm. throw a no-hitter against my Padres. Miller, the hat's right here. I could bring it out if I want to, believe me. But I just like, I'm going to end it there. It was such a, I think that that one thing right there, as well as the Machado Tatis fight that went viral, I think that is such a perfect microcosm of that season. You got no hit by a guy who was making his major league debut. And it's not like he... Not even trying to be mean to the guy. Like, it's not like this was Steven Strasburg, Mm-mm. like the one of those high level prospects oh. that everyone's like, oh man, this is gonna be the next one. No, it was some guy that Diamondbacks were like, yeah, let's call this guy up. You know, we like him, whatever. Let's see what he does. And he throws a no hitter. <laughs> like, it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah, we he's not even. He's not even a prospect like the D-backs are in love with. Like, he's a guy who, like, tops out at 90 miles an hour when it comes to his fastball. He's one of those sinker ball trying to just pitch to contact, get some ground ball type pitchers. And somehow uh, he he did good enough in terms of doing all that, just producing ground balls to lead to a no-hitter against San Diego Padres. Honestly, insane. Probably the highlight of the D-back season uh, during 2022. D-backs, of course, didn't make the postseason, but it wasn't as bad as their 52 win year, uh, you know, just a year prior. So Tyler Gilbert will live on in infamy with Arizona <laughs> Dimebacks because of that no-hitter against the San Diego Padres. Yeah, so, uh, and I don't think you'll be seeing him uh, much more going forward, unfortunately, Javi. That might have been the peak of his career, that first start against the mm-hmm. San Diego Padres. So been. don't know if we'll be seeing much more Gilbert going forward. Next up on my list, I'll go back with the real one. This is a guy who kind of got, you know, I was a little bit surprised when he got his most recent extension because he is on the wrong side of 35, a pitcher, but he's been around a long time as a big time ace. But I just hate the way he looks when he's in the zone against the D-backs. I'm going with Pooh Darvish. I got that nickname from one of my coworkers. Pooh Darvish, I got him because I just hate the way he looks in terms of his confidence, his long lankiness. He does have kind of like a like a little confidence, like a little little arrogance to him as well that when he gets crushed at the plate, I'm absolutely ecstatic because you Darvish is just one of those guys when he's in the zone. I don't like the way he looks. He makes me physically irritated. 
when he's on his game. And so I'm taking Pooh Darvish here. I loved it a couple years ago. There was a I, I there was like a little stretch. Oh, it was like the post sticky stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like you, Darvish, was crushing the D backs in the first half of the season. All of a sudden, yeah. we had that, that crackdown, the sticky stuff, and the D backs starting to get to Darvish right after that. That made me really uh, enjoy it as a fan, seeing the D backs crush you, Darvish, after he was dominating against the D backs pre sticky stuff, post sticky stuff, the D backs were able to get to him. So I'm taking you, Darvish, number four on my list. I like how this was one of your, out of all the ones you've done so far, just the, yeah, I don't like him out of everybody yeah. you know what i mean like I it's not like, like anything um just to defend Darvish for a quick second sticky stuff wasn't a, a merchant you know no. and i don't think anyone was really a merchant except for like who was that closer oh man he was on the guardians he's the only one i've seen that was like genuinely like a merchant for the sticky stuff for a couple of years <laughs> like that's the only thing that made him good ah he ah, dang it I forgot his name. Karen Shack, James Karen Shack. That was, oh, okay. um, and he was like out of the majors for a little bit. Then he came back like in two years and was good again, but I get it. Uh, Darvish had an injury as well, which impacted him, but yeah, he was a sticky stuff guy at one point. Um, I get it. I get it. You got it. You just gotta be a hater. You sound, you sound like someone that starts to hate their significant other and they start, <laughs> yeah. you know that they do because they start bringing up reasons that are like dumb. Like, I hate the way you open the toaster that way, you know? <laughs> like, I, you way, know? I just hate the way he looks when he's dominating yeah. the D-back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they they look silly when he gives up a home run. <laughs> he makes like a very silly face. So he's a great meme guy when, when he hit, gives up like a, a long Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got guy. some meme potential. Um, speaking of meme potential, my next one, before we get to the big boy, for my most hated diebacks is Dalton Varsho. Do you know okay. why? Do you why? know why? Yeah. Number one, first of all, I remember you texting us after texting me after fantasy draft, begging me to give you Dalton Varsho, uh, which is part of this. It was just very funny that you were like, give him to me or else like, what are you? <laughs> this is my one guy. I am so mad, irrationally mad, the same way you were irrationally mad at you, Darvish, that you guys gave up this dude who I'm going to pull up his numbers right now. You gave up this man who had, let me just check really, really quick here to make sure that I get this correct, a 107 WRC+. plus. Mm, Fine. Elite. Now, granted, 4.8 at 4. Good player. And you were able to turn that into who, Millard? Are you kidding yeah, yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Why? Please. What are we doing here? What are we doing here you know what i mean it, it's just frustrating it's just frustrating that they were able to turn him and what does he do 2.1 f4 largely yeah. basically because of his defense 85 wrc plus only 20 home runs compared to 27 the year before just why can't we have one of those okay it's, ignore 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 tatis for a second i know we we had a huge one of the version of the the thievery type of trade but even still just like come on we could really use one of those right now come on blue jays trade with us please <laughs> I understood at the time for the Blue Jays. Uh, mostly it was because of his defense. I mean, you looked at the fan graph yeah. stuff. It was like running away with the defensive metrics out in the outfield. And then plus the guy, you're like, if everything goes right, 30-30 potential, you know. Um, and it just didn't work out his one year in Toronto. Maybe sometimes we say that second season players need to adjust. So we'll see Varsho's second season in Toronto. But man, what a deal by the D-backs. Lords Goriel, Gabriel Moreno, both integral to their run yeah. to the World Series, so very happy. That's the other thing. You even got Lourdes Curiel, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like beautiful. We got both. We got our starting left fielder for the next few years <laughs> and the catcher <laughs> for the next decade. Beautiful job by Mike Hazen. Amazing. Amazing. Javi and I will wrap up our conversation on the most hated D-backs and Padres. 
But first, I need to tell you guys about FanDuel Sportsbook because get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live scene game parlays, exclusive props, and more. My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay. Lakers, money line, 80 over on points and 80 over on rebounds. That one doesn't always hit, but when it does, I feel good about myself. So if you want to feel good about yourself, just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Okay, let's let's round out our list here. I know who you're going to take for your final player on your list. The final player on my list is just another one of those, kind of like you, Darvish, don't have a strong reason. I'll be honest. I don't like the Padres franchise, but when I actually tried to dwindle it down <laughs> to players, I was like, I don't feel like I have that much animosity yeah. for a lot of these guys. Yeah, um, It's more just the whole franchise itself when they're clicking, I don't like. But individually, probably not too much. But the next guy on my list, Will Myers, I do not like him. Number one, you can't oh, trust God. anybody spells Will with one L. That's number one. <laughs> can't trust him for that. Number two, this was a top prospect where it was like, oh, should the Red Sox trade John Lester and their whole everything that they have right now for Will Myers? This was a top prospect that everyone thought they should give up everything that they have for him because they thought it was going to be some superstar of the future. Will Myers ended up being like a decent player, a one-time all-star, but probably more over... Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably uh, more overrated than anything coming up through the system, the way he was talked about mm. during his time in San Diego. I actually played a pretty long time with the Padres, eight seasons, and still, yeah. even after all that, I, I don't think he's... Uh, do you, Are you going to remember Will Myers 20 yeah. years from now? You're going to be telling yeah. your kids about Will? Okay. I'm not going to be... Never mind. He's he like will. a cult favorite. He's okay. a cult favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Padres fans. It's really good attitude, never complained, um, just had his head up and he was like the first guy there's a there's like a a weird sentimental value to him because he was like the first contract they gave out that was big that the Pirates had ever given out and while it wasn't successful from on the field standpoint first of all one of the strangely like most clutch players in the sport in 2020 for some reason I've never seen anything like it 2020 Will Myers was was the Kingslayer like let me tell you like I don't know what happened that year he was amazing yeah um but also like clearly like the community bought everyone shots after they beat the Dodgers in 2022, like stuff like that. He did a lot of things that Eric Hosmer never did. You know what I mean? Okay. Like in terms of just acclimating himself, um, you know, and endowing himself with the fan base. And that's why I think he became beloved because it was, yeah, he failed on the field, but you know, he, he, he took it in stride. He wasn't like a jerk. He didn't freak out at trade rumors and get insulted by it the way that Eric Hosmer did when someone brought it up one time to him. Right. So that's, He'll he'll be liked, but I don't think he's going to be one that everyone's like, wow, he's good. You know that joke that's like guys can literally sit in a room and just name players. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, that's going to be Padres fans. Like, yo, I remember Will Myers. <laughs> you know what I mean, like that's that's what he is basically. Yeah, I just don't I just don't like guys who get twenty million a year and just not twenty million dollar players. That that's my main thing. Uh, so for Will Myers, one L will. Um, I don't know where that second L is, but. Speaking of players okay. who get twenty oh. million dollars a year, who are oh. worth twenty billion, ladies oh. and gentlemen, ISO. Give me the ISO. 
Give me the ISO. The my number one most hated Diamondback and arguably one of my most hated players of the last decade plus. I'm not going to say ever because people like Kurt Schilling exist. Um, it is Madison Bumgarner. Oh. And people have been following me for a long time. First of all, what is funny about this pick is that you grow, grew to hate him as well. I yeah, he'd be two, number one on my list. Most <laughs> <be> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won two wagers against you because of this man who was giving up Bro. like meatballs down the middle. Will Byers hitting home runs. And here's why I hated him. When he hit that home run, does a slight little thing. And what does Mass Mumgarner do? And what did he do for his whole career? He evil eyes everybody. He is an unwritten rule enthusiast. He is annoying. He's always been like this. There are some comments he has made that frankly have a little bit of an edge to them. When mm. he says like, go, go look up. When he was talking about, you know, it's just, um, you know, I guess that's just what the game is nowadays. Like some coded language. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. <laughs> Uh, I think both you and I and others can discern what I'm trying to get at um, mm -hmm. with him. If you just look at some of the things he said and in general reinforcing this culture that is very anti-personality, very anti-people who are different than you and not just humble pies walking around like this, right? Um, he did that all the time. This is a guy who did that to Jose Fernandez when he hit a home run, a pitcher, and then he evil eyeballed him because he had the gall to admire his shot no matter what it was. And Will Myers, when he hit a home run off of him, Barely did anything. Just started walking, did his little bat flip that he does all the time, by the way. Like that weird flip that he does. It's like not like a, a this one, but he just goes like this kind of. You know what I mean? That was what he would do. And best of them are looking at him the whole time. Hey, how about don't throw a meatball down the middle of the plate? How about that? So many times he did this. He did this with the Giants all the time. And the only reason people didn't give him crap was because he was really, really good. That's why. So everyone ignored him and gave it a pass. But he is emblematic he is one of the leading avatars of what is so toxic about baseball culture is that anyone who's different than you anyone who acts different or celebrates differently than what you grew up with is bad because you're upset that you gave up a whole one and that it just drove me insane and trust me there's a whole lot more but madison Bumgarner, i will always remember him for being an unwritten rules guy and it's the last of a dying breed I think that is one great thing about the game right now. Um, but yeah, couldn't stand him. And he was terrible for the Diamondbacks too. Uh, he couldn't yeah. pitch. The only thing that makes him not like my most hated player in general the last few years is because he gave us some free Ws. So I yeah, do appreciate did. him for that. Um, but otherwise, couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him. Still yeah. can't. Wish I could disagree with anything you said because as a D-backs fan, I don't like the underwritten rules, even when it's yeah. your own player doing it. So yeah. uh, can't really disagree with anything you said there. I mean, honestly, he should be number one on players that you love from the D-backs just because he gave you guys so many W's with all the meatballs he, he was serving. Sure. A meatball marinara here, meatball marinara there. Madison Bumgarner was absolutely horrendous. And actually, I think his ERA since 2020 might be the worst ERA among starting pitchers in Major League Baseball since he came over to the D-backs. So awful, awful tenure for Mad Bum. And when he's on that Hall of Fame ballot, he better just wipe away all his years post San Francisco because it's not something that he's going to remember. Javi, that's it for our little draft of most hated players from both our teams since 2020. Where can the listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you only want Padres stuff. Also, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And also, we alluded to it in the middle of the show, but go check out Just Baseball. Got a lot of cool things in the works for them, including some really cool projects. And then, of course, writing about the Padres, writing about general baseball, and so much more. 
Yeah, and for me, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram, Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. Go check out Locked on Padres on YouTube. Please hit subscribe. And uh, we're on wherever you stream podcasts as well. That's Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres. Until another crossover, sir. Joseph.